Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. That's American meat delivered right to your front door. Just go to goodranchers.com slash alley for a discount. That's goodranchers.com slash alley. Okay, happy Thursday. Is that what day it is? Yes, it's Thursday. Also, happy St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day isn't really something that we celebrate, but I did wear green today for those of you who do celebrate St. Patrick's Day. So you're welcome for that. Hope everyone has a wonderful day, maybe celebrating your your Irish heritage, whatever people do on St. Patrick's Day. Today, we're not going to talk about that, though. We are going to zoom out a little bit more than we did yesterday. We are going to give some practical advice in light of what we discussed yesterday. And we are also going to look at everything that's happening from a theological perspective to remind us of what is ultimately true. So I hope this is a very peace-giving episode. I hope this is a very inspiring episode in that way and that you're able to take some of the pieces of advice that I'm trying to humbly give and also that you are reminded of God's complete sovereignty and goodness. So yesterday, I understand that it might have been a little anxiety-inducing, but I got really good feedback about yesterday's episode. Hopefully, it added some clarity to you about everything that's going on and why. So if you haven't listened to that, go listen to it. We talked about the state of the world, the state of our country, why we are in the state that we're in. I hit you with the bad news that I think that things are bad and that they're going to get worse. On every front, we are seeing and are going to continue to see, I think, deterioration economically, socially, culturally, morally in our country. So as I said, go listen to yesterday's episode if you haven't already a little frightening, but it's sobering and clarifying, and we desperately need sobriety and clarity in this moment. But today, I'm going to give you uh, some good news about where we are and where we as Christians are going. So first, let's look at the practical, the political, the here and the now, the worldly stuff. Um, And that comes down to this question, do I think our country can change for the better. Do I think that, for example, America can be the number one super power power again, respected, revered again? Do I think that all of this ridiculous left-wing ideology can stop infecting every institution it enters globally and nationally? Do I think that critical race theory, gender ideology, the America hatred, the systemic sexualization of children is going to stop? Will globalism win? I don't know. I think it's possible, though. There are some ways that I think that we can try to strategically change things, to shift the Overton window back over in a number of ways. And so there are really five ways that I think we can do that. And I'm sure that there are very smart people, older people who have been uh, involved in politics and culture for a long time who could add to this list. But from my vantage point, what I'm seeing right now, there are at least five things that I think that we can do as people who are opposing the cultural winds that are blowing and how we are shifting so far over, not just to the left, but absolute amorality and anarchy. So the one thing that I think that you should do, number one, is you polarize. So what I mean by that, we've talked about this before. I mentioned it briefly at the end of yesterday's episode. You move to red areas 
and you make them redder. You find like-minded people. You raise your kids with them. You support them. You let them support you. Especially in a time of an economic downturn and economic hardship, we really need materially to be able to depend on one another. Find people who share your values. Create churches, create villages, communities on these values, or join those that already exist. If it's not possible to move, Or if you feel like God is calling you to stay where you are, then by all means, please listen to God and not me. But if you can, find people who share your values no matter where you are. Find Christians who don't waver on the big stuff, on the gospel, on sin, on repentance, on marriage, on gender, on abortion, on in general how to raise kids. Team uh, Team up with them. Have each other's back. Now, this is a lot easier said than done, I know, but we desperately need that right now. We need the church to take care of the church first and foremost. I also mentioned this yesterday that many of the verses that evangelicalism has kind of taken out of context, especially over the past century, and has applied it to our interactions with the world are really directives for the church giving up everything you have to take care of one another, Um, taking care of the least of these. That is actually not a description of the least of these in the world. It's talking actually about uh, persecuted Christians, visiting those who are in prison. I'm not saying it's bad to visit people who are in prison in general, but in context, it's actually in reference to Christians who are in prison. And a lot of times I think that we overlook the needs that our brothers and sisters in Christ have, and we exclusively focus on how to take care of the outside world. Again, I'm not saying that that's bad. I think that's a wonderful thing. That is one way that Christians can be salt and light. We should be taking care of vulnerable communities who are not part of the church, but certainly not at the expense of taking care of one another. That is one One way to evangelize really effectively is the church being the church, the church taking care of one another, leaning on one another, looking more like the church that's described in Acts and less like just a building that we go into, that we, you know, sit in the pews once or twice a week and then we kind of go out into our communities and we forget about the people that we go to church with. Now, I'm preaching to the choir a little bit. It is hard, I think, to live like this in this culture because, you know, my husband and I, we're busy. We have responsibilities that we carry out throughout the week, whether it's parenting or work or whatever it is. It's very easy, very easy for church to just kind of become this thing or even friendships within the church to become these things that you're just kind of going through the motions. I completely sympathize with that if that's how you feel. I have talked to so many people, especially so many Christian women, who are struggling to find true, deep Christian relationships. Maybe you have one or two. Maybe you have different friends who are kind of disconnected from one another in, you know, from different stages of your life. And maybe you even have a Sunday school or a life group, but you still don't feel like it's you know, this is kind of Christianese, but it's doing life together. You still don't feel like you have someone that you're truly vulnerable with, that you're sharing burdens with, that you're learning about God with and learning about parenting with. Man, I can totally sympathize with that. It's really easy to allow our relationships, even maybe especially within the church, to just be kind of things that we're doing to tick off the box of, yeah, I have Christian community, but it's not real. It's not really integrated. You know, I long for that in a lot of ways, and I we have that in some ways. In some ways, 
We don't. And it's taken a long time to even kind of start to get to the point to where we truly have that kind of consistent community. So if you're there, my encouragement to you as someone who, with my husband, has struggled through that and struggled to find the kind of real Christian Christ Center community that I'm talking about is to keep trying, to keep trying, to keep trying to cultivate those friendships, keep um, going to church, keep seeking out those friendships, seek uh, or continue to uh, reach out to people that you want to cultivate friends uh, friendships with. It's a very lonely era. It's a very isolated time. And one way that we can be a refuge for a chaotic and lonely and isolated world is to come together and to be there for each other as Christians. And again, I say that is someone who, with my husband, we are learning how to be that and to do that in this season of our lives. And so that all falls under my first piece of advice to polarize. That doesn't mean that we don't love people who disagree with us outside the church, outside our you know, political beliefs. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that you're completely disconnected or detached from them or that you hate them in any way. I'm just saying that who you are living life with, who are you are surrounding yourself with, try to find people who share your values, team up together and support one another. Second piece of advice you localize. So I already mentioned, and this kind of is a little repetitive from the first piece of advice, but you depend on one another, on your community for what you need. We all need to be depending on um, the United States as much as we can for our food and for goods. Again, not easy. I am, these pieces of advice I am trying to internalize and take for myself. I still buy stuff from Amazon and Target that's not made here. I really try not to buy stuff that's made in China, but my iPhone was made in China. My iPhone case was made in America. I really tried to do that. And I don't know if it's any better to buy things that are made in Cambodia, maybe because you're not contributing to like the growth of the power of what is going to be a terrible superpower when it finally um, it takes that title by buying something that's made in China. I don't know if it's any morally or ethically better at all, but as much as we can, even though it's difficult, even though it's more expensive, we have to try to rely on the United States for food and goods. Um, That's one of the reasons why I love Good Ranchers, and this is not an advertisement for them, but I truly do love knowing that our meat comes from American farms and ranches. That's why I like, and I'll go ahead and read it in just a second, a a new sponsor that I have because their product is entirely made in America. Also, my second sponsor for the day, Carly Jean Los Angeles, a ton of their stuff is made in America too. I think that's really important right now. And I'm not saying that that is going to make the biggest difference in the world that if you and I try to rely on American industries for the things that we need, but it can make a difference. It's the more responsible choice. And I think that we should try to do whatever we can to depend on resources as close to home as possible. I don't even think it's a bad idea to become a full-on prepper. Always better safe than sorry. And again, I am not a full-on prepper. Like I joke with my husband, I'm not sure if you marry, like with everything going on, I've said this a lot over the past couple of years, I don't think that you married an apocalypse wife. Like, I don't, I'm not sure that I have what it takes for the apocalypse. In the apocalypse, I'm going to be in my bunker 
still recording a podcast and being like, it's bad out here, guys. It's bad out here. I mean, I feel like that's the only thing that God truly equipped me to do and has called me to do is like to talk and to write. And there's probably, hopefully not, but there might come a day when that's not even something that is like valuable because we will just be like struggling for survival. I hope that that's not coming, but it might be coming. And I'm not really sure how my gifts are equipped to to do that, to handle the apocalypse. And I'm talking like not the true apocalypse, like the true end of the world. I'm just speaking in terms of if things really do just like crash and burn in the United States and we have to like live off the land, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough for your girl. Um, And I imagine that it's probably going to be tough for you. So maybe we should learn. Like, maybe someone should start. Maybe this is you. It's certainly not me. Can you start some kind of online class to teach us, to teach us um, modern gals, like how to sew? And there are some Instagram accounts that can teach you how to like preserve food and things like that. The thing is, I follow those Instagram accounts and I watch the videos and then I do not apply it to my life at all. And I'm just like, well, we have a lot of mac and cheese. I hope that that I hope that that is going to cut it. But so I'm talking to myself. We need to localize. We need we need to try to depend on ourselves, depend on our friends, depend on our local communities, depend on our country as much as possible. It's always better to be safe. It's always better to be safe than sorry. So I think we need to try to do that, make an effort towards that, help each other, uh, help each other to do that. We've talked about that in the Great Reset episodes, how that is really one of the only, when you're just talking about things to do in the here and the now, tangible things, that's like one of the only things to battle this movement toward an international government run by like the same currency, run by the same regulations and and laws is to depend on one another, a form of healthy nationalism, a form of healthy localism. Oh, all right. Um, number three, you simplify. So polarize, localize and simplify. And let me just pause and tell you about our first sponsor for the day, a new sponsor, and then I'll get into this third point. So Naturally It's Clean is our first sponsor for the day. I spent um, a good amount of time on the phone with this company yesterday, so I really feel strongly that you guys are going to love this product. That's what I was telling him. I'm like, oh, this is the relatable audience is the perfect audience for this product. And I would not be telling you guys that if I didn't think that it was true. So when you bring a product into your home, you want to be sure that your hard earned money is going to a brand that believes in the same principles as you, a brand that values personal and and environmental responsibility and most importantly, freedom. That's why I'm excited to announce my partnership with a brand that not only provides a first-class product, and I can testify to that, I use this brand uh, in my house every day, but also has so many of the same values that we do. Naturally, it's clean is the title of the product, the home cleaning company uh, dedicated to providing effective cleaning products using powerful plant-based enzymes. So plant-based enzymes are extremely effective in cleaning your home. He was ex- uh, he was explaining this to me yesterday, how when you sanitize something like in a hospital, you actually have to use some kind of 
enzyme formula in order to get something super clean. And uh, this product has enzymes in it, but they ensure that it is a much safer product for your home, for your kids, for your pets, than your normal household cleaners. From the kitchen to the bathroom to the laundry room, they have you covered with hospital-grade solutions that will not reek of nasty chemicals. Everything is manufactured right here in the USA, and they offer free two-day shipping direct to your door, and they are going to ensure that it gets to you quickly. So what I recommend is starting with what they're calling Allie's four pack of essentials. So this is Allie's four pack of essential starter kit, which includes their top four products. I have like all of their products and I really love them. I also gave a couple to a friend and she said that they've worked really well. So I'm talking like carpet cleaner, um, the uh, like pet stain remover. They've got all kinds of stuff. We use it in our kitchen. We really use it on everything and truly love it. So start with the Allie's four pack of the essential starter kit, which includes four of their top products, much safer for your kids, for your pets, for your home. Visit naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie. Use promo code Allie to receive 15% off your order. That's a great deal. Keep your home clean. Support companies like Naturally It's Clean while you do it because they support you and your conservative values and it's truly an awesome product. Allie's Essential Starter Kit. Get that at naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie for 15% off. That's naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie. All right. So third piece of advice, you simplify. You make your life and your children's lives as simple and as normal as possible. Man, over the past two years, like our kids need normalcy. If that means homeschooling them, if that means spending all afternoon outside, if that means taking phones away from your teenagers, unplug your family from the chaos of the world. Teach them the simple truths every day, every opportunity you can of God's word and the wisdom gained through hard work, through friendship, through service, through nature. Let's all simplify our lives. Once again, talking to myself, I'm craving that. I rarely get it. So I really want to take this advice myself with a job that is inextricably intertwined with what's going on in the news. I feel like I have to keep up with everything that's going on and post things on social media and check on social media, but I could certainly maximize the free moments that I have better and use every moment for the glory of God. I think that's something that I fall short of all of the time every day. We probably all do in our own ways, but the the days are evil and time is short. And as I said at the beginning, it's time for sobriety. And so uh, we have to ensure that we are using our time wisely. And I just wanted to look this up because this uh, passage from Ephesians 5 came to mind as I was speaking. So let me let me read it to you. I think that this is a really good reminder under this point of simplification of our lives. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Wow, how often do I not make the best use of my time? I might be making a good use of my time, a fine use of my time, what I think is a neutral use of my time. But how often, uh, how often am, I, am, I, am I using my time in the best way that I possibly can? And here's the reason for that. This is a, kind of a stunning reason. It's a very sobering reason. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So that means somehow that wasting time 
wasting our moments um, is connected to evil or perpetuating evil or being neutral in the face of evil, not doing anything about evil, not opposing evil in some way. Because if making the best use of our time is necessary because the days are evil, then apparently not making the best use of our time is somehow involved in or not doing enough about the evil um, that exists. And maybe it's because evil tends to prey upon idleness. Evil tends to prey upon spending our time in a way that is self-serving or rots our brain like social media does, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Just in this small uh, small segment of this chapter, we see so much about wisdom. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Wow, that's a lot of caution and care that we are called to. That's a lot of thinking. That's a lot of thoughtfulness that goes into how we are supposed to spend our every moment. We're supposed to look carefully. We're supposed to be wise. We're supposed to make the best use of our time. We're supposed to not be foolish. We're supposed to understand what the will of the Lord is. That's something that I pray for my kids all the time. What I've prayed since I was pregnant for the first time, gosh, that my kids would be wise. That's what I want them to be. And I understand that implicit in that is a fear of the Lord because we understand that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom as as Proverbs tells. Us. So if I pray for my kids to be wise, I am also implicitly praying, even though I also explicitly pray this as well, that they would be uh, that they would be fearful of the Lord, that they would have a fear of the Lord that would lead them to have discernment, that they would agree with God in everything that He says is good and right and true, that He they would be able to hear a lie or hear a bit of deception, and they would be able to recall God's word and say, Nope, that's not right. That's not true. That's not good. That's not pure. That's not excellent. That's not worthy of my praise. When they hear the serpent slither and whisper, did God really say? Did God really say that was a sin? Did God really say that's good? Did really God did did God really call you to that kind of obedience? Maybe not. Maybe he told you to compromise. Maybe it's fine. Maybe you know better than God. Maybe you can love more than God. Maybe you're wiser than God. That when they hear that small voice, which every single one of us does, that they would be able to, just as Jesus did in the wilderness, recall the word of the Lord. Jesus himself relied on scripture when he was tempted by Satan. Let's pray that for ourselves and for our kids, that they would have that wisdom, that when they hear the sa- that uh, Satan, the serpent, uh, whisper that in their ear and question the authority of God in his word, that they would be able to recall what God's word says and say, no, I know what's true. I know what's true. So let us look carefully then how we walk. Let us teach our kids to live, to look carefully then as they walk and to walk in wisdom. And all of this falls under the simplification of of our lives because the world is complicated, the world is chaotic, the world is questioning fundamental truth and reality at every turn, but God's word remains clear. It remains steadfast. Number four, you organize 
Um, so this kind of speaks more to politically how we can get involved, how we can try to change the culture, although that is not our primary goal as Christians to change the culture. Our primary goal, our primary aim is always to glorify Christ, but that may involve an effect of that, an effect of our obedience may be changing cultures and organizations. And I do think that we can actively participate in that. What do we always say? Politics matter because policy matters because people matter. Politics affects policy. Policy affects people. I think we're seeing that right now. One example is inflation. This is affecting people's ability to live and to feed their families. We saw that with the lockdowns. It matters who you elect, Republican or Democrat. Can't just vote for someone because they have an R by their name and expect them to champion the things that are going to allow societies to thrive and to be free. We have to elect the right people. And we can't trust politicians to be the spearhead of the kind of change that we're looking for. We have to organize. So at your kid's school or at the university you attend, at your church, in your community, when progressivism rears its ugly head in any way, or when sin rears its ugly head in any way, you find like-minded people. You create a cohesive message. You push back on the powers uh, that are there, that are calling the shots that you know are harmful and wrong. We've seen what organization and finding like-minded people can do when we're just talking politically in a place like Virginia. We've seen policies changed. We've seen mandates reversed. We've seen a curriculum changed, minds changed. You don't have to be in the majority to make a difference. Let me repeat that. You do not have to be in the majority to make a difference. Let progressivism be a lesson to you. The people who were considered radicals a few years ago, when they were talking, um, anyone who talked about the redefinition of marriage or the family or the abolition of gender in some way, anyone who celebrated abortion as some kind of sacrament, they were seen as radicals. They were in the minority. In some ways, they still are in the minority, and yet they're the loudest. They're the ones that are influencing corporate policy. They are the ones that are influencing an entire political party and even members of the Republican Party. Uh, They are the people who are dictating our cultural values, what someone gets canceled for, what they don't get canceled for, uh, what they get harassed for, what they don't get harassed for. So take take a page out of their book in the sense that you are recognizing that you don't have to be in the majority to make a difference. You can be in the minority, but we're even more in the minority where we are because one, there are plenty of conservatives that don't agree with with us um, as Christians on cultural, social, moral issues, but also all the institutions are against us. Every major global and national institution is infected by left-wing ideology. And so we're not just up against a lot of people who disagree with us. We are against major players that disagree with us on all of our fundamental values. So that's intimidating. But I still don't think you have to be in the majority or you have to have a title or you have to have uh, you know, a whole institution behind you to make a difference. But I will say one thing you can't be to make a difference is alone. You also can't be complacent. You can't be silent. You make another thing that we say, we love alliterations on this podcast. You make a relentless, respectful ruckus for the things that matter. A respectful, relentless ruckus for the things that matter. I know all of you keep telling me, put that on a t-shirt. We will, we will, we will. 
<laughs> we're working on that. Things, you know, sometimes it takes us a while to get onto the things that we need to do. So we will we will be making some merch with all of that. Another thing that we say, we've got a lot of sayings that we come up with on the show. So you raise a respectful ruckus for the things that matter and you share the arrows with other people who are voicing an unpopular opinion or who are standing up for a value that you believe in and they're catching flack for it rather than looking over at them and saying, wow, I'm glad that's not me. Wow, now I've learned my lesson. I won't speak up about that. I, I won't say that thing that's controversial. Oh, they're telling that person she's divisive, that she needs to sit down, that she needs to be quiet. All right, then I'll do that too. No, that's cowardly. That's the last thing we need right now. Are you kidding me? That's cowardly. You share arrows with them. You see that girl getting harassed because she said that she believes, or that business owner, whoever it is, that she believes that whatever it is, that marriage is between a man and a woman, or that abortion is wrong, or that, hey, masks should be optional in school, whatever it is, she's catching flack for it. She's getting harassed for it. She's getting put in harm's way because of it. The arrows, the proverbial arrows are being thrown at her rather than, you know, hiding your face and, just sending a private message, although I think that's really important. Personal and private encouragement in those situations is really important. You stand up. All right. You stand up and you say, me too. Those arrows that you're throwing at her, you can send them my way too. That's fine. I'll stand with her. That is one way. And this is all under the umbrella of organization. That is one way that you can love someone how you would want to be loved. That's some way that you can treat a person how you would want to be treated. Wouldn't you want someone to stand up for you if you are getting unfairly maligned or bullied because you stood up for something that you agree with? I can tell you from experience that when we do that, it is a game changer. I can think of two examples of people, and I'm not taking credit for this, it's really you guys and not me. I was just the person who like did the rallying cry, which is, you know, I, I'm not good at a lot of the things we're talking about, organization, execution. You guys are probably, but I'm not. I'm the rallying cry person. I'm the person that calls us to something. I like casting a vision and encouraging people and motivating people. I am not the person that is going to organize and figure out the details and all of that. So when I say this, I, I'm not patting myself on the back, but there are two examples that I can think of. When taking care of babies was being shellacked online because some troll found out that her family had donated to Donald Trump. Um, rather than ignore it and say, you know, I don't, I don't want to say, I don't want to say anything about that because these people seem really vicious. I mean, they published her her content that you're supposed to pay for um, publicly online so that she would lose business. What a horrible, horrible thing to do just because someone donated to the candidate that you don't like, you psychopaths. But anyway, instead of not saying anything, we said something. I posted on Instagram. I talked about it on the show. And I said, look, she needs encouragement. You need to post about how, um, if you've used her product, how it helped you, how maybe it changed your life for the better, you need to send her private encouragement. Tell her to stand strong. Tell her not to apologize. Uh, tell her how much you she means to you, how much her, her work matters. Encourage her both publicly and privately. Can you do that? And guess what? Thousands of you did. And I can just tell you from conversations that I've had with her, you have no idea how much that meant to her. You, you are the reason 
Why? She did stand firm and she stood firm in grace and in truth. She wasn't rude about it, but she also didn't apologize for something that she's not sorry for. That's another thing we talk about a lot. Never apologize for something that you are not sorry for that wasn't actually wrong. Apologize when you are in the wrong, for sure. But apologize to the right people, not just to the people that are calling for your head because those people don't need or actually want your apology. They just want you to be ruined. Apologize to the right people for the right things, but don't apologize to the wrong people for the things that you are not sorry for. She handled that perfectly, and it is because of you. You know why? Because courage begets courage. Because when you share someone's arrows, that encourages the person who is on the front line, who is taking the flack predominantly, to keep standing up. And then everyone else stands up, and we say, fine, we'll take all of the arrows too. And then you know what happens? People start moving forward. People start moving forward, and we say, we're not scared of you. You can't bully us. You can't silence us. Now, now, guess what? You're out of arrows. We took all the arrows. We stopped your arrows. We've got our shields. And now we're going to push you back. That's what happens when you stand up and share someone's arrows. And it starts with one person who is willing to take the flag for something unpopular. And then you stand up with them. And then we march forward. So that is part of organization. Second example that I have is uh, Jack Phillips. Jack Phillips, the baker. He refused to bake a cake for a gay wedding a long time ago now. I think it was 10 years ago now. And he's been through all kinds of litigation, all kinds of court cases of people purposely targeting him, harassing him, trying to get him to bake cakes that they know that he would not bake like a transition cake and then suing him when he refuses. It's nasty. These activists are nasty, absolutely nasty. And of course, calling him hateful for simply standing by his values and being kind. And they are just the nastiest and just depraved and demonic people, the activists who do things like this. Well, a long time ago, 2017, we just started a GoFundMe for him because he was losing business. There were legal fees in the beginning and we people donated tons of money, tens of thousands of dollars to him. And I never even talked to him personally. I didn't know him. I only met him last year. And we were backstage at some event. I don't even remember what it was at this point. And I met him for the first time. And he shook my hand and he started crying. And he said, you have no idea what that money and what that encouragement meant to me and my family when we needed it when we needed it most. I mean, that was several years ago. I hadn't even remembered it. And this is a guy who's gotten a lot of support. And yet he remembered what we did, the support that he got. And that made a difference in his life. That, that helped sustain him and helped him go on because courage begets courage because you guys took the arrows and you, you risked your reputation. You risked your name, maybe your safety by standing up for him and donating money. Guys, that makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. So that's part of organization, sharing arrows for people, but also organizing movements, pushback, speaking up, raising a respectful ruckus about the things that matter. I've got one more point of advice and encouragement um, for you, and then we'll kind of get into a little more theological stuff in just one second. But 
I've got to tell you about our second sponsor for the day, and that is one of my favorites. That's Carly Jean Los Angeles. You guys love them. You know them. Carly Jean is a Los Angeles-based capsule clothing company. Carly Jean Los Angeles started in 2004 with three simple goals. Help women feel as beautiful as they already are. Simplify the shopping and getting ready process and provide beautiful quality pieces that can be worn in any season of life. I am currently, if you're watching on YouTube, wearing my Carly Jean Los Angeles dress that I love so much. It's so comfortable. I could definitely wear it while pregnant if I wanted to. Could wear it in the fall. Of course, I'm wearing it in the almost spring. Uh, Right now, you really can wear it in any season of life. I could dress it up if I wanted to. I could, you know, put a jean jacket over it. Right now, it's kind of in between casual and dressy. And that's what I love about Carly Jean Los Angeles. It's comfortable. They're quality pieces. They're really beautiful. They go with anything. You can wear them pregnant, not pregnant. You can wear them pretty much in any season of the year. And all their stuff is truly like that. Plus, Carly Jean herself is an awesome person. She shares a lot of the same values that we do. You know, many women's clothing companies, they donate to Planned Parenthood. They are donating to organizations and movements that are fighting against the things that you hold dear. You don't have to worry about that with Carly Jean. A lot of their stuff is made in America, something else I love. If you go to CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com, you can use promo code AllieB. You will save 20% off on your first order of anything in their online store. That's CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com for 20% off your first order. Promo code AllieB. CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. All right, number five. You build. So you either transform the community or the school or the company or organization that you are a part of by the organization strategy that we just talked about, or you start a new school, a new company, you host a new conference, create a new organization, a new movement that accomplishes what you want to see accomplished. This is part of not just standing up to share the arrows, but now you march forward. Maybe you run for office. Maybe not. Maybe that's not what God is calling you to. You're a stay-at-home mom right now. I don't think that's feasible. I'm not calling you away from that. Depending on who you are, your stage of life, your ability, your time, your uh, talent to do something, maybe that's something that you consider that you haven't considered before. We don't. The point is, though, we don't just play defense. We play offense. This is just something that I thought of because I know a lot of you are in midwifery or you're a doula. And that world has become so incredibly woke. Uh, So many different uh, doula doula, organizations or uh, companies or pages, whatever, they say pregnant people, they won't say women. It's really sad. Well, maybe you start a midwifery or a doula company that is outspokenly, unashamedly, unabashedly pro-woman. Build what you want to see built. Um, another part of of this this last point that I kind of mentioned earlier, but uh, vote good people in, not just something with an R by their name, but let us try to get behind effective people. That doesn't mean that everyone that we vote for is going to be perfect because we're not voting for Jesus, but let's vote for the most effective people that we can. All right, so those are my five my five points, you polarize, you localize, you simplify, you organize, and you build. Um, I know that was generally specific, but as I said a few minutes ago, I don't have specific, specific steps for you because for two reasons. One, I don't know your specific situation. And two, execution is not my strength. My strength is in ideas and communication, big picture stuff, encouragement, motivation, 
rallying cry, but some of you are doers. You are executors. You are organizers. The people who handle details that bring people together, that make the connections, that make something actually happen. You know how to carry out a plan really well. You are so desperately needed uh, in this world, in the conservative world, if you will. I'm getting increasingly uncomfortable with that word, and I'll talk about that in just one second. But in the in the world of traditional values, especially in the Christian world, like we need you to apply your gifts to make a difference. Maybe you think, I think some people make this mistake of thinking because they're not outspoken, because they don't have a podcast, because you don't have like uh, some huge platform or you're not going viral on social media that maybe you can't make a difference or God can't make an impact through you or you're not going to make as big of an impact as someone who is in front of the camera. That is so not True. There are so many talents that we need. Like if everyone were like me, if everyone was talking, nothing would ever get done. We would just be talking all of the time. That's all I want to do really is communicate. But the doers are the people who make the world go round. Yes, you need the people to make the rallying cry and to motivate you and to give you the tools to articulate things. Communication is really important. Ideas are really important, but they're not what they're not what makes movements go forward. We need people like you, the behind the scenes people who are far more important, honestly, who take these tips and you run with them and you know exactly how to execute. We desperately need more organization on our side of things. Now, will all of these things make a positive change ultimately? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's the end of the world. Therefore, things are just going to get worse. Or maybe it's just the end of America, which doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. Empires have risen and fallen for a long time. America is not necessarily special. It is a special country, but it's not the exception to the rule. As I said yesterday, empires have fallen over much less. There have been, uh, there's been much less immorality and degeneracy in empires that have fallen because of that than currently exists in America. So the empire of America may rise and fall, and the world could still keep turning. Now, I think that it's a frightening world, um, but it's possible. We are not. The fate of America is not what biblical prophecy rises and falls on. I think we have to remember that. It's easy to become America-centric or whatever country you live in centric. But the fact of the matter is, we're just people, we're just a civilization, and God is bigger than that. God is not American. And so biblical prophecy is not American. Yes, of course, this country matters. It has been an incredible beacon of liberty. But if America falls, the world may keep spinning. It will keep spinning. So things could get worse. Or will things get better here before they get worse again? Or will things get much worse and then better in 100 years? I don't know. The history of the world tells us that any of these things are possibilities. And I know some people are saying, oh, no, it's definitely the end of the end of the world because wars have ru- and rumors of wars. Well, there have been wars and rumors of wars and persecution and all kinds of hardship and dictatorship for thousands of years in different ways. So I don't know if we are in the end times. I bet a lot of generations of Christians have thought they were in the end times because things were really bad. So maybe we are, maybe not. No matter what, though. Here's the thing. No matter what, though, we are called to obedience. We aren't called to just sit on our hands and just wait to die or for Jesus to come back. Yes, we are called to be expected of Jesus's return, but we're not supposed to do nothing until then. We are called to make the most of this life by glorifying God. So that's ultimately what we seek more than anything, to glorify God in what we do. 
That's the ultimate goal. It's not to change the culture that we hope to do so. It's not to save the country that we hope to do so. It's to glorify God. We glorify God in lots of ways by praying, reading his word, worshiping him, sharing the gospel, simply doing our moment-by-moment work with excellence, loving our spouse and kids, using the gift that he has given us to build up our fellow Christians and to make the spheres that he has placed us in better. And that can change the culture. That can. Maybe it won't, but it can. Uh, When it comes to political issues and making change culturally, we are probably going to have things in common, and this goes back to kind of what I was saying a second ago, how I'm just uncomfortable like with this word conservative because I don't even know what it means anymore. But so in fighting the cultural and political battles, which I do think are important, they have their place. They're, you know, secondary and tertiary, but they do have their place again because people matter, because we're supposed to make the spheres that we occupy better. And that includes getting involved in politics and what the world calls culture wars, but are actually just biblical issues for the Christian, all that. That means we're going to have things in common with people who are not Christians. We may share some of the same goals. We may work together. For example, I have talked to, worked with, communicated with feminists who I really disagree on, on a lot of important things, but we agree on sex-separated spaces for women. So we may link arms together when it comes to getting a particular person in office or having a change made in a particular organization that is going to benefit children, that's going to benefit uh, women, the people that I think that we should care for. But ultimately, ultimately, and y'all know there's been some things that have gone on this week that I really have to, I have to emphasize this. Ultimately, our identity and belonging is not found in fellow conservatives or in anti-woke liberals or whomever, because I am continually reminded that at the end of the day, while I love a lot of people in these groups that we agree with on a lot of political and cultural issues, ultimately we do not stand in the same place. We are on two totally different planes with two totally different worldviews. We agree on a lot, on a lot of important things. But man, I and probably most, not all of you, are way more conservative, just own this, you're way more conservative than the average person who calls themselves a conservative. Because I believe in an, uh, that an essential part of conservatism is conserving the foundation of any functioning free society, which is the nuclear family, mom, dad, kids, and a lot of conservatives, people who call themselves conservatives, don't really think that that's important. I would argue not that I am any some, I'm not some kind of gatekeeper, I'm not trying to be that at all, but It's really hard to imagine how you are going to get any other conservative win if you are ignoring the foundation of any functioning and free society. Um, When I hear Christians say that they don't fit into either political party because they're too liberal for conservatives or they're too conservative for liberals, I always think that's weird because I'm like, well, I feel like I don't fit into any political party either, but it's not because I'm a moderate. I don't have any liberal views. It's actually because what the Bible says about at least social and cultural issues is far more conservative than what any political party represents today. And I mean conservative in the sense that it's far more traditional. What the Bible says about life inside the womb and marriage and gender and even the role of the state, that's far more conservative and traditional um, than what either party says today. I am more conservative than the average conservative because I don't believe that you can get any tenet of a conservative free society without God, a biblical standard of justice and morality, married to the nuclear family. 
And I've realized that most people, again, who identify as conservatives today really don't care about that. In a few years, they'll be making the conservative case for men being able to use girls' bathrooms, and they'll say it's a celebration of individual liberty or something like that. So I am actually thankful, though, for the helpful reminder from time to time that my allegiance, that your allegiance as a Christian is not to any political party or political movement or culture war. Thank God for that, because they're so transient. My allegiance is to Christ and his church. My standard is not the modern American conservative standard, which is basically just championing whatever liberals championed 10 years ago. My standard is what God says is good and right and true. Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, 8, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What a steadfast anchor. Thank God for that. I'd love for people to agree with that, to get on board with that, and for society to change based on that, of course. But short of another great awakening, it ain't happening. Uh, that that kind of change requires heart change. That requires an exchange of the God of self for the God of scripture. And that is totally possible, by the way. It's totally possible. God can do that. He can use Christians to do that. He can use us to do that. But short of massive repentance, which probably would be brought on, unfortunately, by intense massive hardship, it ain't happening. You can't build the house without a foundation. Conservatism without God is a house built on sand, which is why if people are using conservative to just mean being anti-woke without having any kind of foundation of objective morality or definitions of what things are, then I'm not a part of it. Like, I don't care about that. And people will say, well, you know, it's important that we just kind of like put those disagreements to the side because we got to win the culture war or we got to get this person elected to office. And look, I agree. I, I, I care about those things, but ultimately I don't. Does that make sense? I care about those things in one sense because policy matters, but I also don't because I care more about being obedient because I don't answer to any political party. I answer to God and I care more about being a a good and faithful servant of God than I do being a a good and faithful Republican. Um, And so, yeah, I'm willing to, I guess, be divisive and detach from certain movements if it means celebrating what God celebrates, loving what God loves, saying what is saying what God says is wrong is wrong. Like I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm willing to make those distinctions. Um, and of course, you know, it saddens me in some ways that so few people seem to recognize that. But it's a good reminder of whose we are, of ultimately where we belong, what we are here for, who our true people are, where our hope lies. It's not in any politician or political outcome. Um, and so let's just keep that in mind and remember uh, remember the God that that we serve. Our purpose and our hope is in Christ. That means that we simply do the next right thing in faith. We trust in God. We trust that he is bigger than inflation or corruption or dictators or centralized digital currencies or the World Economic Forum. He's not threatened by these things. He's not wondering how things are going to shake out. He's not waiting for things to unfold. He sees all of it and nothing happens outside of his ultimate control. Yes, people disobey his moral will, uh, but nothing happens outside of his sovereign will. As R.C. Sproul said, there are no maverick molecules in the universe. Matthew 10, 29 through 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Not even a sparrow, two sparrows are sold for a penny. And not even one of them falls to the ground apart from 
the knowledge and the will of God. So that means, can't you, can't you see that even bigger things, things that involve us, the people that he cares about that are made in his image, Christians who have been purchased by his blood, that nothing can happen to us outside of his sovereign will either. Uh, Psalm 65 is an encouragement to me. And I want to read you some of it before we close out. Let me first tell you about our last sponsor for the day, and then I'll end you with this uh, biblical encouragement straight from scripture. Our last sponsor for the day is Patriot Mobile. All right, we're talking about sticking together, supporting organizations that support our values. It'd probably be a good idea for you to look into the only Christian conservative cell phone provider, and that is Patriot Mobile. They offer broad nationwide coverage. In fact, they use some of the same towers as the major carriers, so you get the same great nationwide coverage, plus the peace of mind that your money is supporting your right to free speech. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, and their 100% U.S.-based customer support team provides exceptional customer support. More importantly, Patriot Mobile shares your values and supports organizations fighting for religious freedom, constitutional rights, sanctity of life, and our veteran and first responder heroes. PatriotMobile.com slash Allie or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation when you go there with offer code Allie. Veterans and first responders save even more. So make the switch today. Support a company that loves America, loves you, and shares your values. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Allie. PatriotMobile.com slash Allie. Okay, so Psalm 65, I read this this morning and I was just encouraged by it. The whole chapter is great, but let me read you just verses five through eight. By awesome deeds, your answer, you answer us with righteousness. O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, the one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the people's so that those who dwell at the end of the earth are in awe at your signs. You make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. We serve a completely sovereign and awesome and powerful God. There are so many Psalms that speak to this. There's also Psalm 37, which I've read to you so many times. Let me just read you a couple verses from that. Fret not yourself, verse one says, because of evildoers. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Wow, I have to remind myself of that so much. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. There's so much in that chapter that I encourage you to go read. Let me just read one more, one more, one more passage. And that's Ephesians 6. If you were raised in the church, you are familiar uh, with this passage. And let me just read you at least part of it. Again, I could read the whole thing, but that might take too long because we've run out of time. But go read, I would say, all of Ephesians. But man, Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 20 is really, it's inspiring. It is empowering in the best, most biblical way. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of of Satan. Or actually it says of the devil. I don't know why my mind did that. The schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So you fasten the belt of truth, the breastplate of uh, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of readiness given by the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith and take up the 
uh, take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times within the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Keep alert. This goes back to the Ephesians 5 verse that we read at the beginning. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. That also goes to uh, caring first and foremost for the people who are in the church. And also for me, Paul says, that words may be given me to open my mouth boldly, to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am, we are, all of us as Christians, an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as we ought to speak. May we declare the gospel boldly as we ought to speak. And a reminder of what I said in the interview with Beckett Cook, please go listen to it. Some of you said that it was your favorite episode that we've ever done, which is just amazing. I love the testimony of believers One thing that we mentioned, though, is in being full of grace and truth, which we are called to be as Christians because God, Jesus, was described as being full of grace and truth. Stephen was also described as being filled with grace and truth. That does not mean the reception to what you're saying is going to be good. You cannot judge um, your obedience and the rightness of what you are doing by people's reaction because guess what? Jesus was full of grace and truth. He was crucified. Now, of course, we know that he was crucified ultimately to fulfill prophecy, and that was God's plan of redemption for us. Wow, how loving and amazing is he that God sent his only son to die on the cross for our sin, that we might be reconciled to him. Jesus took on the sin and the punishment that we deserved. He made him, God made him to be no sin, um, so who, who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's what happened when Jesus died on the cross. And of course he was raised again, defeating sin and death forever. So we could do the same. Wow. What an amazing, amazing gospel. What amazingly good news. So that's what we cling to. And I kind of, for, I kind of like went on a, went on a trail there and I forgot what I said in the beginning, but That is what we cling to. That is the gospel that we have hope in. That is where our identity lies. That is where our purpose is. That is what motivates us to obedience. And uh, yes, by declaring that gospel, oh, now I remember what I was saying, by declaring that gospel, by being full of grace and truth as Jesus was, as Stephen was, um, Remember, both both of their both of their fates were execution, um, and both of their fates were people hating them. That does not mean that what you're saying is not good and right and true. You can be as gracious as possible. Stephen was insanely gracious. Jesus was insanely gracious, but they never sacrificed or compromised on the truth at all, and that got them killed. So, for all the people who say, you know, it, you're not your your message isn't being received because to you. Maybe they're saying this to you because you're not saying it in the right way. You're not caveating enough. You're not being soft enough. You're not, you know, giving in enough. Your tone isn't just quite, quite right. That's why. Well, I mean, maybe sure we can work on the effectiveness of our communication, but at the end of the day, people don't hate your tone. Ultimately, People hate truth. People who hate truth hate truth, and that means they're going to hate you. So yes, we can be as kind as possible, as gracious as possible in our speech, but people who hate truth are going to hate you. So let the indication of your obedience be, um, 
whether or not it aligns with God's word, not with how popular you are, not with how people receive it. Let us pray for the wisdom to do that in love and in kindness, but boldly. And um, that's where we are. That is, that is, that's our hope. And so I hope that motivates you. I hope that's a good episode to end on um, this week. Tonight, I've got an episode coming out with Alex Clark on her podcast, The Spillover. We're talking about the dark side of the maternity birth industry. And I might talk about even more of that and some things that I found, not just through my experiences, but through my research on Monday. Um, And so we might talk about that. It depends on what you guys want to hear about, what happens over the weekend. But I have more that I want to say, but definitely tune into that on the spillover tonight or tomorrow. And then also I will be on the Unashamed podcast. That's where I was on Monday. I was in Louisiana with Phil Robertson, Al Robertson, all the, not all the Robertsons, but some of the Robertsons. And we were recording an awesome conversation that I know that you guys are going to love. That should be out tomorrow on Friday. So make sure you tune into their podcast, YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcast, or I think it's also on Blaze TV slash Unashamed because we do have a bonus segment that can only be for subscribers on Blaze TV slash Unashamed. So Make sure that you check that out. And if you love this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. All right, I will see you back here on Monday.